if you want to experience supernatural intervention of God, you must abide in Christ. And one of the ways we do that is when we're overwhelmed by God, when we understand how great He is. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm. As we're going through the Gospel of Mark, there's a ton of different stories that we're interacting with. And the title of my message today is this, The Parable of the Growing Seed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This sermon title would not win for the most exciting sermon title. It's so basic. It's so normal. You might even think, is, does God have anything for me? And I'm here to tell you he does. So if you have your Bibles, open them with me to uh, Mark chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 26 and 29. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and 29. Here's what Jesus says here. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been surprised by someone or something? Did you ever have something in your life that happened to you that you absolutely did not expect for it to happen, and then it did, and you have no idea how it happened? Did you ever experience this unexpected surprise? I did this past week. I'm going to tell you about it. So this past week, my mom is visiting me from Washington. We're having a great time, and we're out at a beautiful SoCal restaurant enjoying dinner. And as the dinner comes to a close, one thing that I love doing after dinner is I have a sweet tooth, so I love to eat some chocolate. And so my amazing mom, she gets her purse out, and she opens up this tin of chocolates, And so I'm like, Mom, you read my mind. This is exactly what I wanted. I open up the tin, and I see that there's one chocolate piece left there. And I thought to myself, well, one's not going to be enough for me, but I'll go ahead and grab this one, and then maybe I'll get some later on. So I grab that one. I eat it. It's amazing. It satisfies my taste buds. And I'm looking at the tin, and as I took that last chocolate out, I see that there's a white um, piece of paper right there that's part of the packaging, and I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, I'm like, mom, I wish I would, you know, there'd be more chocolate. And she's like, well, are you sure there isn't any more? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, look further. So I began to look at this tin and I began to look at this piece of like white little foil right here. And I'm thinking to myself, how can there be something else there? And what I do is I start carefully and intricately pulling up this little piece of paper and underneath it, there is revealed another row of chocolates. You cannot imagine the elation I was experiencing. At one particular moment, I thought there were no more chocolates. I could just have one. But then there was a whole row of them. I was excited. It satisfied my craving, and it took me completely by surprise because the odds were stacked against me. There was only one more left, and I thought, that's it. That's all there is to it. 
But there was a miracle that happened. There's no way this could have happened. I didn't predict it. I didn't think about it. I didn't realize it, but it happened. And then it did. This chocolate candy was there under this additional layer at the bottom, and I had no idea it existed. Maybe you experienced something like that in your life. Maybe you created a resume where you absolutely um, fabricated all of your experience, and then you got the job. And on the first day, you're like, well, I'm going to fake it until I make it, right? I'm sure some of us have done that before we met Jesus. But here's the thing. Both of these parables that we read in this particular Mark chapter 4, when we talked about the sower, when we talked about the seed, they're stories of surprise. Nobody could imagine the conclusion. Think about the parable of the sower. The guy's sowing in different kinds of soil, rocky soil, and then a harvest happens. God... Is, did not design his kingdom to come like a tidal wave or a bolt of lightning to come quickly and disappear. No, God planted the kingdom in a Galilean peasant, a homeless man from Nazareth who gathered about him a bunch of nobodies. And my big idea today is this. If you forget, everything from my sermon is this. The process that will bring about you looking like Jesus will not be spectacular, but it will be certain. The process through which you personally will become more like Jesus, it's not going to be spectacular, but it's going to be certain. So stick to the process and trust Jesus. This is why the Bible here says, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Now, I want to talk about the kingdom of God for a moment. I think it's this big universal term, and it kind of scares us. And I want to bring it down and put the cookies in the bottom shelf, so to speak. The kingdom of God means that God is the ruler of the entire universe. He rules and reigns over everything. He's in charge. He's in control. He's on the throne, okay? He's cosmically God. But at the same time, the kingdom of God is a personal kingdom that's in your heart. God is in you through Jesus Christ. So when you have Jesus in you, and you come to an environment, you bring the kingdom of God with you, you bring the shalom, you bring the peace to the people in your life. So the kingdom is both a spiritual rule over your entire life, but the kingdom is also very personal. More narrowly, the kingdom of God is a spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. So if you're here this morning and you submit to God's authority, you are part of the kingdom. You're part of it. Now, If you looked at this text, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a man who's scattering seed on the ground. Have you ever had a moment when somebody reduced your position to something it actually isn't? Have you ever had a moment where somebody didn't give you the validation or confirmation that you needed? Were you ever doing an incredibly important task and people just did not validate for what you were doing? I've experienced that. I'm sure you have as well. And don't you find it a little bit annoying when you tell people what what you do and people try to, in their own mind, kind of simplify it and say, oh, so this is what you do. And you're like, well, no, not quite, but I can see where you're going with this. So for example, if you're in customer service and people say to you, oh, you're just a glorified order taker. It's kind of annoying a little bit, right? It's kind of frustrating. They don't know what you're going through every single day. Or if you speak for a living, whether you're a teacher, you're a pastor, you do whatever, when you have to speak, people will say, oh, you just run your mouth all day, right? It's kind of annoying, and it happens. 
Or if you're an interior designer and people say, oh, so let me get this. So you just move furniture from one part of the room to another. Or if you're a mom or you're, or you're a dad and people say, oh, so you just change dirty diapers and clean up messes all day long. It's part of it, but it's not the full point of it. I think we've all experienced that, right? We've all felt less than. We've all felt when people didn't validate who we are. We, we, we didn't feel confirmed in, in who we are. We didn't get credit for what we ultimately deserved. How dare they say, I'm just an order taker. I'm an experienced curator. I'm helping people How dare they say I'm just running my mouth? I'm helping people get to heaven. Or I'm not just moving furniture from one side of the room to another. I'm curating a space where dreams and ideas will be cultivated that will change the world. I'm not just changing diapers and cleaning up messes. I'm raising the next president. We want that kind of validation, don't we? So someone reducing your position or not giving you the proper credit I want to say this, it doesn't take away or diminish who you really are and what you're doing in the eyes of God. What people say about you does not diminish what God thinks of you. That's important to understand. And so, can you imagine a more simpler explanation of the kingdom of God. Here we have this kingdom, this vast universe, this expanse of God. And Jesus said, it is like a seed that's scattered on the ground. Now, if I was writing this, I would compare the the kingdom of God, I would say it's something grand, it's glorious, it's like the shimmering mountain peaks, it's like a crimson sunset, it's like the glory of a gladiator that defeated hundreds of people. That's how I would describe the kingdom of God. But Jesus likens it to a seed. Jesus does not tell us how high and how lofty and how grand God is, but Jesus explains to us that the kingdom of God is near, it's personal, it's here, it's within you. God is not somewhere out there. God is here in our midst. We can experience him. And so Jesus is trying to explain to us that the routines of planting and harvesting are mundane clues to the nature of God. So maybe, just maybe, you and I should embrace the mundane nature of our life because God is at work in the midst of that. Amen? That's what he does. So the God we worship, he's a personal God. He's great, he's big, he's marvelous, but he's down to earth, he's approachable, he loves you, he knows exactly what you're going through. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're doing great. You're doing good. You're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. God is working on you. The kingdom of God is breaking into your midst because of the faith that you have. And it's crazy because God knows our problems, anxieties, frustrations, uncertainties, and God cares. And God wants his kingdom to break into your life and to give you the peace that you desire. In verse 27, it says, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, this guy, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, the head, the full kernel, and the head. 
this parable focuses on the farmers get this inactivity and his lack of understanding and still a great harvest is produced. You might have a lack of understanding. You might have a lack of activity. You might even have a lack of faith, but God still will produce a harvest in your life because that's how the kingdom of God works. It's not about how hard you try. It's about what Jesus already did on your behalf on the cross. So Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a process of growth. Now, if you guys have ever seen a small little seed, there's nothing spectacular about it. Nor does its slow growth attract any attention. Nobody goes to their garden and sits and watches seeds grow. Nobody does that. But yet God says that's how the kingdom of God grows. So I want to say this, that the Lord works in mysterious ways, but his ways are always successful. You might not understand it. You might not comprehend it. You might not realize it, but God is working. All you have to do is have faith and patience that the kingdom of God is coming into your life. Amen? That's what's happening. And so what's crazy is that all we need to do is trust Jesus and be patient. You're going about in your life. You're thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? What's my future like? What school am I going to get accepted to? Do people like me? Do people validate me? Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God in the process. Night and day, a farmer waits for seeds. Look, he sleeps and he gets up and life goes on. But simultaneously, independent of the work of the farmer, the harvest is produced. That's how the kingdom of God works. It's, it has very non-spectacular beginnings, but it produces a huge harvest. It's happening in your life. I know it. I believe it. Slowly, imperceptibly, the seed sprouts and grows but this is what you and I do in our life. We think that seed of the kingdom of God is so small, so minuscule, so obscure and negligible that we are unaware of its growth. We're unaware of it. Though he does not know how. Now, I want to tell you this. There's something incredibly spectacular and incredible you can do to change your life forever, okay? Okay. If, you, you're gonna, if you're a note taker, take notes, write this down because this will change your entire life. This is what you have to do to have the kingdom of God break into your midst and for you to experience God's presence. Number one, love God, love people, read your Bible, have a fresh, vibrant prayer life, commit yourself to a local church and pour your heart out in serving it, forget about your preferences and prejudices and focus on loving your neighbor as yourself. Mind-blowing, isn't it? The parable of the small little non-spectacular seed. My friends, it is in the non-spectacular moments in our life when God is most powerfully working, and we often miss it. One pastor was sharing a story about a conversation he had with a pilot. The pilot was trying to ask him, he's like, I'm just a pilot, like I fly planes, like, Pastor, please tell me, how can I glorify you? How can I, how can I, or how can I glorify God? How can I exalt him? How can I worship him? You know what the pastor said to the pilot? He said, here's the thing you got to do. Land the plane. Land the plane. The pilot completely missed it. That is how we glorify God in the midst of our life, in the midst of the basic things that we do. And so despite the farmer's absence and ignorance, the soil brings forth, it says, the Bible says, all by itself. This is where the Greek word automate is used, where we get the word automatic. 
Think about it. The farmer just sowed the seed and automatically grew. Oh, we don't like automatic stuff. Why? We like the control. I want to drive. Pedal to the metal. It's my life. God, I'll call on you when I'm having trouble, but for now, I'm good. You can be my co-pilot, right? We don't like automated things because why? Because God gets the glory, not us. We're all glory junkies. That's true. That's why Jesus came to rescue us from that. And so what happens is the seed contains within itself a power of a generation and an orderly process of growth. The Bible says first the stock, then the ear, the full kernel in the ear. That transpires quite apart from the farmer, from the faith that you have. I remember I owned a car once, and the car experienced a malfunction. And it had an issue with the ignition. Every time I would put my key into the ignition, I would try to start the car. The car wouldn't start. And the engine would not turn over, which means the car would not start. Now, this was a super expensive repair. I couldn't afford it at the time, so I thought to myself, how am I going to survive? I got to go to work every day on this car. Well, lucky for me, my car was a manual transmission car, okay? And I realized that I would have to do one activity that would solve this problem in my car. If you know anything about a manual transmission car, the starter doesn't need to be functioning in order for you to start a manual transmission car. I could simply start the car by it rolling while I press on the clutch and put it into gear, okay? So this actually solved my problem. So here's what I did, no joke. Every meeting I went to, every place I went to, I would look for an incline to park at. Now, of course, it provided a lot of inconvenience for me, but I didn't have money to fix a starter that I had to go to work. So I would always park my car in an incline because I knew I would just turn my key. I don't need the starter. The car's rolling down, and I just put it into gear, press the clutch, put it into gear, and the car would start. Now, you can imagine how inconvenient that was for multiple weeks. And when I didn't have an incline to park on, I would have to find good Samaritans who would help me push the car. A guy in a loafer's in a suit pushing a car. It's amazing. Best thing you could ever see. Now, here's the thing, though. If you know anything about cars, and if you don't, that's okay. You know that this, what I just described, is only possible on a manual transmission vehicle. If my car was an automatic, I would be dead in the water up the creek without a paddle, so to speak. So if my car was an automatic, I would be at the mercy of the tow truck who I would need to pay to tow away my lifeless car, and then I have to pay a ton of money to the towing company plus for my repairs. Now, a confession I want to make to you. The reason I still to this day love manual transmission cars is because the level of control I can have in that car. I can downshift at a higher speed and go faster. If my starter breaks again, I can just park at an incline and it can start. I love driving a manual transmission car because when I drive an automatic, it seems like somebody's doing the work for me. It seems like someone else is doing the work for me. The amount of control I have, I love that. 
Now, here's the thing I want to say to you about this parable. Apart from sowing, okay, this person in this parable, the only human activity in this parable is waiting in faith, confident of a harvest to come. The only thing this person did, he confidently waited in faith, confident of a harvest to come. I want to ask you a question. Are you doing that in your life? Where in your life did you feel like God is not answering you yet? And you're like, God, I'm going to take control myself. What's that area? Where are you not having enough faith in? James 5.7 says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Friends, there's certainty to the kingdom of God. The way, the process that's going to look for you to look more like Jesus will not be spectacular, but it will be certain. So maybe you're trying to look for the spectacular in your life, but God wants to show you in the mundane, ordinary things of life that he's still working in your life. So the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God is likened to a process of growth, but a process strangely independent of human activity. Despite small beginnings, despite the absence of human involvement, the seed contains within itself fruit-bearing potential. And this is what happens. Think about Jesus. He's getting religious leaders opposing him. He's getting misunderstanding from his followers. He's not disheartened. He's not swayed from his mission. He's going towards it. My friends, I've said this before. Your breakdown might be the beginning of your breakthrough. Maybe in the midst of that season where you see no growth and you see no harvest and you see no progress, that is the very epicenter where God wants his kingdom to break through. Because God is interested in your soul. He's interested in creating you to look more like Jesus. And my friends, that process is going to be messy It's not going to be spectacular, but it's going to be certain. It's going to be certain. The 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 coming of the kingdom, it's not something humanity brings. It's something God gives. So think about it. If Jesus wanted to emphasize the power and the glory of the kingdom of God, he would have told a parable about a cedar which was a symbol of might throughout all of the Old Testament and splendor. But here's the thing. The mystery of the kingdom is not present in the cedar. It is present in a tiny mustard seed. The kingdom of God is often the non-spectacular moments of our life. That's where God is working. So my question is, where are you missing that in your life? Where is God doing a great work? We all want God to do a great work through us, But we often miss when God is trying to do a great work within us. Maybe that's first where we should start. So what appears to be the smallest is nevertheless the greatest. In that which is hidden, the foundation of a work is laid that will encompass the whole world. And my friends, the kingdom of God in your life, it's growing whether you see it or not. So as we conclude this message and as I ask you to be a bit introspective about what God is doing in your life, I want to ask you this question. Jesus' process 
in making you look more like him. It's not going to be spectacular, but it's going to be certain. My question is, do you believe that? My friends, if we miss the invisible work of God in our life, we will turn to despair and frustration, and we might even think God does not care about us anymore. But I want you to think about the moment where you have the most despair, the place and the space in your life when you have the most despair, the most frustration. Maybe, just maybe, in the midst of that, you can find a small little seed, which is the beginning of a great harvest. Maybe it is in that seemingly obscure place where God is shaping you, molding you, forming you to become more like his son Jesus. Where are we missing that? When we believe the kingdom of God is at work in us, and when we live as if it already achieved its purpose, we have joy and we have hope, and we have purpose and we have a plan and we understand, God, you got us. Even though I might see you as small as a small little seed in my life, it's still working. So I want to ask you a question. Imagine what your life would look like if every small step you took in obeying Jesus, you would believe that the very small, seemingly insignificant step will eventually bring about a great harvest. Imagine if when you read your Bible and you prayed and you came to church and you loved God and you loved people, imagine if those small, seemingly obscure, insignificant steps is the beginning of a great kingdom and a great harvest that God wants to bring about in your life. How would that change how you love your spouse, your friends, your family, your church, your coworkers. What would your life look like then? And what needs to change today to make that happen? Where is God working in your life in a seemingly unspectacular way? And in the end, I want to say this. If you feel like your life has no meaning, if you feel like you are insignificant, if you feel that nobody validated you or nobody made you feel confirmed in who you really are. I want to tell you this. Jesus experienced the very same thing when he went to the cross on your behalf in your place. Jesus experienced obscurity. Jesus experienced people not validating him for who he really was. Jesus experienced being obscure, being unknown, being not validated, yet he still went to the cross on your behalf to bring about your salvation. So if you've ever experienced less than in your life, or you've experienced being insignificant, I want to tell you this. You're in the right place because Jesus experienced all of that on your behalf. But he was able to bring about salvation. So don't despise small beginnings and trust Jesus with your entire life. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm.